welcome to I Scream, the podcast. I am your host, Kira Hamilton, and today marks the 14th episode, not including the single scoops, and the 17th episode, including the single scoops. For today's episode, I have a very exciting case for you, going along with our 13th episode where I told the true story behind the Amityville horror movie. I am now about to tell you the true story behind all three of the Annabelle movies, sort of what it was inspired by where the whole Annabelle doll idea came from. And to be honest, this story is really chilling, and I did a lot of work to get it this far because you have to watch a lot of videos. I watched lots of people touring the museum where the doll is currently being held to get stories and things like that. And then you have to watch extra videos to double-check all the information. It's fun. I love it. And that only makes me more excited to share this with you because all my hard work is being put to use. So, before I get too rambly, let's go ahead and get into the case. Many of you might know the story of Annabelle the doll. There are, in fact, three movies telling about this eerie doll, and in every single one, you are met with a creepy doll that leaves you thinking, I would throw that out immediately, or that is the creepiest thing I've ever seen, why wouldn't they get rid of it? Many people would be surprised to find out that those movies talk about a real-life doll, only making us wonder the same things, as the keeper of this doll was gifted it. It makes us wonder, why would someone buy and give this to somebody? Well, there is one simple reason. The real and true Annabelle doll is a Raggedy Ann doll, which, if you look it up, is a pretty inviting doll. If you've never seen one, I can safely say that it looks inviting and surely like a good gift. It could be a kid-stuffed animal that they cherish, only making the true story more eerie. Now, our story begins in 1970, when a Raggedy Ann doll was purchased for a woman named Donna for her 28th birthday. This doll was purchased by her mother, who at the time believed this to be nothing more than just a regular old doll. Now, if you're wondering why a mom would purchase their 28-year-old daughter a doll, well, Donna was somebody who always loved dolls. She had a passion for collecting them, and there are many people like that. And since Raggedy Ann dolls are, I'm pretty sure, porcelain dolls, it was perfect for her daughter. This, of course, made her mother believe that this would be the perfect present for her. A side note, Donna was a nurse, and she was living with her roommate, Angie, who was also a nurse. Just to give you some background before I start saying Angie a lot or Donna a lot, and so you know who they are. Now, initially when Donna received this doll, she absolutely loved it. She always took good care of it, and you could tell that she loved it a lot. At this time, Donna and Angie, too, believed that this was nothing more than a regular old doll. Interestingly, things didn't start out like crazy, like a big boom like immediately um i feel like a lot of people like expect it like that like with the amityville horror true story like they got into the house and immediately started experiencing the crazy not so fun things but with this doll with this entity it was very gradual it wasn't immediate in fact it was gradual how things began, which I've said like three times, but you get the gist. <laughs> it began with some odd incident incidents where they would recognize the doll appeared to have moved. Of course, they weren't sure about this, but at first it seemed the limbs were moving. The legs would cross, the doll would lean against wall, and it was even seen standing up. This made them begin to wonder if something strange was going on with the doll. This prompted the girls to test the doll in, in a way, like I don't mean like <laughs> test it, but like they would 
do things to sort of see if this was something that they were just imagining or if it was actually happening. So they would place the doll in specific places in certain rooms and make sure to position her in a very specific way that they would remember. This ended up determining that the doll was in fact moving in very mysterious ways. In one really strange incident, Donna brought the doll with her to breakfast. She saw her in a chair and began to talk to her. And suddenly, the doll's like arms began to levitate, and then they rested on the table. It was around this time that something even creepier began to happen. They began to find notes throughout the house written on parchment paper, which they didn't even own, which seems weird to me because I... Maybe it wasn't as useful in the 1970s, but I feel like paper was a thing, you know, that people need or would want to have a little bit of in their house, you know? But the next part is where it get creepier because it was all written in crown. And they didn't own crowns. And that makes sense to me because we don't own crowns. Crowns aren't very popular except amongst children. So that all made sense. The notes would say things like, help us or help me or help Lou. And if you're wondering, Lou is um, a really close friend of both Donna and Angie. Uh, what's significant about Lou is that he had never liked this doll from the moment that Donna had received it. He had a really bad feeling about it, and unlike everyone else, he just truly didn't like it. Like, everybody else really loved it. They thought it was sweet. Donna, Angie, her mom, everyone. At this point, the girls also began to wonder if somebody had been breaking into their home or trying to trick them, which is peculiar to me since... Donna had allegedly seen this dog, doll's dog, this doll's arms float up and sit on the table. I mean, did she think somebody was pulling fishing wire on her or something? I don't know. But after that, I'd probably be pretty convinced and I would probably like lose it and like run out of the room. But so at this point, they're thinking, oh, this must be somebody breaking into the house, which almost makes me more convinced of this because their first thought wasn't, oh, this is definitely a ghost. They were like, ah oh, it's just our landlord or our gardener or whoever playing tricks on us. So at this point, they decided to try something else. Instead of testing the doll, they were going to try to trap the person that was tricking them. They would barricade the door in and try all these different means to keep this person out or people maybe. However, they would return home and nothing would look amiss. Like they would barricade the doors and it would still be barricaded, but the doll would still be moved. Now, something I want to note is I'm not really sure how they barricaded the door. Like, if they did the whole, like, hammering in the nails with the wood thing. Because if they did that, um, that's definitely kind of crazy. Because then if you think a person breaking in would have to, like, break down the barricade and then completely redo it before they ever got home and make it look like nothing had happened. Or even if they just did it with wood. Again, they'd have to break the piece of wood and replace it. And it'd have to be, like, the same. I mean, I don't know if they were, like, this is 1970, so I don't know if they had cameras, like, taking pictures of it. I don't know. Anyways, when Donna came home one day, she appeared to find what looked like blood on the doll's hands. And at this point, they decided it was getting out of hand and knew that this was something paranormal going on. This prompted Angie to tell about this psychic that she knew and that she thought it'd be a great idea to have a seance, it's a very weird spelled word, with the psychic to see what was going on with the doll and to perhaps see if the doll was haunted. They decided to do this and the psychic came in and they had the seance. At this point, the psychic went into a trance-like thing. 
I don't know how seance works, but this is just the description I had been hearing. She, so the psychic goes into this trance, and this is when she told the girls that this doll was home to a little girl spirit named Annabelle Higgins. Annabelle was around six years old, and it was said that she wanted to stay on the property, having lots of fond memories there, and continue to live her life there. It should also be mentioned that she passed away on this property as well, before the girl's house was ever built and before they ever got there. So she wanted to stay on this property due to all these fond memories and continue to live her life even after death since she had died so young. Since she had taken a liking to this doll in particular, she decided to inhabit it in hopes of staying where she loved. The spirit continued to tell the girls she had no ill intent and apologized if she scared them in any way, in turn convincing the girls to let her stay. However, there was no little girl spirit living inside that doll. I should also mention, I don't really know exactly what store her mom had gotten this for, but I'm assuming it's some sort of like thrift store, like 1970s Goodwill. Maybe there was a Goodwill in 1970s. I don't really know because that to me seems to be the only way the doll would have gotten there. I don't really know how the doll would have gotten there, but I think I'm thinking about it too hard. So let's just move on. So, again, the girls had decided to let Annabelle's spirit live within the doll inside their home. However, their friend Lou still didn't like this doll. In fact, he was actually the first to have a demonic-like encounter with the doll. On this night, Lou was at the girls' house, and he fell asleep in one of their rooms. When he fell asleep, he went into a state of sleep paralysis, which um, is sort of like... You're aware of what's happening, but you can't move your body. I don't know. I've never experienced sleep paralysis. However, I'm pretty sure that's what it is, and usually it's only associated with, like, demons and very dark entities. At first, he said nothing felt amiss. It was just, like, normal old day with sleep paralysis. I couldn't really find whether he had experienced sleep paralysis before, whether it had been a okay experience for him like an unpleasant experience for him or if he had experienced anything like this before but he did say that nothing felt amiss it was just sleep paralysis i guess until the doll appeared at the end of the bed and began to crawl towards him the doll made its way up and when it got to him it began to choke and strangle him he couldn't breathe and he said he felt evil coming out of this doll while it was happening he actually ended up passing out due to the strangulation, and when he awoke, he was super alarmed about the experience, as anyone would be. In turn, Lou became even more aware and alarmed by the doll. A little later, Lou and Angie had an experience where they heard a loud crash in one of the rooms. When they went into the room, Annabelle was sitting in the center. At this point, Lou is basically done with the doll, as anyone would be. However, he does something that is the very opposite of what I would ever do. He blurts out what had happened to him before the sleep paralysis thing and proceeds to pick up the doll by the arms and shouts, It's just a Raggedy Ann doll. It can't hurt anybody. I'm assuming what he was trying to do is convince himself, like, this isn't a ghost. This is just me, like, psyching myself out, like, tricking myself, right? But again, I think I said this in the Amityville one and also in the Ouija board one, single scoop. Don't mess with things. Like, even if you think it's not real, just on the rare, like, chance that it is. Like, don't do that. Like, on the rare chance that this is something that wants to hurt you or is, is a demon, don't, like, 
taunt it. It's a dumb idea, as we will find out. So he pers- he picks this doll up by the arm, shouts, it's just a raggedy Ann doll. It can't hurt anybody. Probably in an attempt to, like, convince himself that this is not actually happening. And he throws the doll across the room. Suddenly, seven deep scratches appear on his body. Because actions have consequences, people. Four on his chest and three on his stomach. In fact, they were so deep that he began to bleed through his shirt. Not good. It looked as though something had dragged claws across Lou. And at this point, they decided that there was no way this doll was inhabited by a six-year-old little girl. Trust me. Like, if you taunted a six-year-old, there might be some that, like, get in your face and are rude. Because there's, you know, people are unique. But most six-year-old little girls are probably going to, like, cry. If you're like, you can't hurt anybody. And then, like, pick them up by the arms and throw them across the room. They're definitely going to cry. But they definitely would not have the power to, like, physically affect somebody. Like, just a little girl spirit. So, it definitely makes sense to me why they were alarmed at this point. And... It also makes me wonder what would have happened if Lou never had that sleep paralysis experiment or even forget that. If Lou had never picked up the doll and thrown it across the room and that had happened, would they have just continued living with the doll until something else had happened? That is sort of what that experience makes me wonder. Um, but let's go ahead and continue. At this point in time, the girls and Lou knew that they needed help and decided to call in a priest. He came in and really didn't know what to do. He confessed that he didn't know anything about this and suggested that they call Ed Warren. The girls ended up doing this, and Ed, as well as his wife Lorraine, go to the house. If you don't know, I'm pretty sure Ed and Lorraine Warren are people that they have this occult museum, and they're very involved with paranormal things. I'm also, I've never seen the Annabelle movies, but I'm pretty sure that they appear in one of them, maybe all of them, I don't know. But I am, they are part of the story, and they are like paranormal hunters. Like, almost a lot of like famous paranormal cases, they're probably involved with it. When they get to this house, they realize that there was, in fact, a demonic spirit inside of the doll that was trying to disguise itself as a little goal. Goal. A little girl. Its goal was said to be finding a host to possess, which people have theorized was Lou since he was taunting him and, like, trying to weaken his spirit, blah, blah, blah. Ed and Lorraine did everything they could there but ended up deciding it was safer to take the doll back with them. When they first brought it to their Museum of Occult Artifacts, they sat the doll in a chair behind a rope. At this point, there were a lot of priests that heard about this demonic doll that could physically injure people, and many were intrigued. I mean, I would be intrigued if I heard that. At the time, lots of priests came to look at the doll in person. One priest in particular, which was a friend of the Warrens, came to their house to show them his new car. They hung out and had tea. Then he asked if he could see this doll that could wound people ed of course said yes and they drove down to the museum to see the doll they toured around with ed telling stories about the other artifacts when finally they reached the doll ed began to tell the story and once he got to the part about the wounds the priest did something unexpected that again i would never do this but okay he picked up the doll like similarly to lou and said god is more powerful than any devil or demon he then threw the doll similar to lou And immediately, Ed was telling him how he shouldn't have done that, which is definitely what I would have done too, because, again, on the rare possibility that this is really a demon, like, don't do that. Anywho, despite Ed's, 
like yelling at him saying, you shouldn't have done that. That was a dumb decision. The priest was unfazed because he was confident in his phrase and confident that God is more powerful than any devil or demon. He went back to his car and Lorraine proceeded to tell him to be careful because he was messing with powerful forces. Despite these warnings, the priest kind of went along his way and he never made it home safely. On his way, he had lost control of the car and went head into a truck. Luckily, he did survive, but it is said that this was a warning to the priest. <laughs> it's trying to autocorrect it to police. So, this was a warning to the priest, not the police. Very different things. Shortly after, the priest called Ed and said, You were right. I never should have done that. I never should have touched the doll. I never should have haunted the doll. He said that the last thing he remembered before the accident was looking into his mirror and seeing the face of the doll when he lost control of the vehicle and crashed. The priest was confused, telling Ed, I don't understand, Ed. God is more powerful than any devil or demon. Ed told him, yeah, God is, but no human is. You should have never taunted that doll. There was another incident similar to this one where a 20-ish-year-old male and his girlfriend were at the occult museum. This is when the doll had changed occupations to a little box that I will mention a little bit later. Similarly to the priest's stories, when he got to the part about the wounds, the boy proceeded to taunt the doll. He banged on the glass and said, If that doll can put marks on anyone, put him on me right now. Again, what an idiot. <laughs> but let's, shall we continue? He is, I mean, that is, wow, great decisions made by the 20-year-old, 20, 20-ish-year-old 20 male. Ed immediately got on to him because before entering the museum, he had explicitly said not to taunt the doll. He ended up kicking them out, and they left rather smugly. Unlike the priest, the boy never made it home alive. Approximately three ear hours, three ears, three hours after they left the museum on their motorcycle, they were laughing about the doll when he completely lost control and crashed into a tree. We can't really say for certain whether that was due to Annabelle or simply just a motorcycle crash because the driver of the motorcycle wasn't really alive. He isn't alive anymore to tell his story like the priest was. And the reason we know about this story is because the woman, his girlfriend, survived the crash after spending, I think, a year in the hospital because of this. And she said that they were just laughing about this doll when he just crashed into a tree. And so she, if he had seen something in the mirror, mirrors or anything like the priest had, we would never know. At the moment, even though we don't know, it's still pretty eerie. At the moment, Annabelle is kept in a box, which I mentioned before, locked up. I'm pretty sure it's got like a padlock on it or something crazy. But this box is like decked out with holy stuff. It is made with a special type of holy wood. I forget exactly what it's called. It's doused and stained with holy water. It's covered in crosses, I think five or six. And it's bearing a handwritten note by Ed Warren reading, Warning, positively do not touch. Not even this is enough to contain this because the box and the doll need to be blessed weekly to hold the demon inside of the walls. Many people ask um, 
Ed and Lorraine, and now their son-in-law, who I'm pretty sure runs it, runs the museum at the moment because Ed and Lorraine are past, have passed. But he, many people ask rightfully, why wouldn't you just destroy the doll? And if you watch any horror movies, I'm sure lots of people would start ranting at people like for being for asking this because in movies it's like obvious never destroy the thing that the ghosts are in but i found an account where ed and lorraine warren's son-in-law said that if they were to destroy the doll they just release the demon into the world but when it's in the doll they're able to contain it and keep it safe and secure in their museum well that is all i have for that story you can tell me what you think about it whether or not you think it's real or just if you're undecided just any thoughts you have on my instagram at i scream underscore podcast i will be making posts for the past three episodes um this one included in the three because i have not made very many instagram posts on that because i've been a little bit preoccupied anywho I hope you enjoyed hearing about the true story of the Annabelle doll because I definitely enjoyed researching about it. And let me tell you, I was like sitting there listening to these videos with like creepy music in the background and I'd hear a noise and I would like jump. It was super fun. It's always so fun like researching these ones, even though they take a little longer because there's so many perspectives, so many viewpoints. And it's just a lot of like hands-on accounts and less like evidence, like blood type and all that jazzy jazz and like they never go to court really except for a couple that go to court which i won't mention because i may or may not be doing them for an episode in the future i i did say on the last single scoop that this episode was going to be about light as a feather stiff as a board i misspoke that is the next single scoop so we will be talking about light as a feather stiff as a board on wednesday or thursday somewhere in the middle of the week Again, thank you so much for listening and so much for the support. I will see you all next episode.